Hello, and welcome to Bijou Banter. Uh, this is KRUI 89.7 Iowa City's alternative radio station. I am Calvin Leslie, and in the studio with me is Emily Stagman. Hello. And Philip Runia. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about two movies, and we're going to be doing a trilogy of ours. Woo-woo. The first movie we're going to talk about is Dolomite Is My Name, which is a new Eddie Murphy movie on Netflix about the very popular... Popular is a weird word for it nowadays, but... Interesting. Yes. Um, black exploitation character from the 70s. And it stars Eddie Murphy, Keegan-Michael Key, Craig Robinson, Snoop Dogg, Titus Burgess. Basically, everybody cool is it's in this movie. It's got T.I., which I'm very pumped about. Yeah, it's even got Bob Odenkirk, which is Heck yeah. insane. It's directed by Craig Brewer. I liked this movie. Elaborate. It was pretty good. What did you think, Philip? I liked it a lot, too. Um, it's just very rich in history, and um, I guess what went on behind the scenes of black exploitation films um, in terms of like uh, just availability of spaces, I guess, for people to make these films and have them be um, quote-unquote authentic um, as much as like these actors were able to be um, themselves and authentic to like what uh, the black experience is and was um, without like fully catering to like uh, whatever um, a white audience was demanding of them um, at this time and so I thought that it really did a good job of framing that um, throughout the film there's all these scenes of like them shooting the movie and trying to like be like okay well we can't say this because then people like people won't come to the movie and we have to do this so people will come to the movie. Um, and even when they're having like all this fun in the shooting and um, or just fun with uh, with I forgot his name Ray Rudy Ray Moore. Yeah, Rudy Ray. Um, when he's just trying to build his career um, before he decides to become a movie star, um, you see the same issues like of trying to be too much of this and less of that um, to try to pander to people. Um, so I saw that throughout the entire film. Um, and then even in the good, like the the moments where people were really like enjoying themselves, um, the film was able to kind of take a step back and root itself in history and be like, okay, well, we don't have the money to do this. Like, yes, this is fun and good and everyone's having a good time. Everyone's like, feeling well represented but like this still might not work because of the reality of race in this country and its politics yeah and one thing that i thought was really interesting was i've always thought of black exploitation as a very like exploitative genre which right. is <laughs> an original thought but it seemed like this one was something that rudy ray more like genuinely wanted to do and he thought it was really funny and he thought that it was an incredible thing to do and it was like born of his own wants which was really weird for me because so often you see black exploitation cinema and it's just terrible but for some reason this one seems slightly more okay to me because he just wanted to kind of lampoon it a little bit but also just tell jokes and have fun exploitation of the self versus exploitation of the other exactly um they kind of gave a few examples of that in the film too when Rudy first goes to the movie studio and he's presenting his pitch and then the guys are like 
the the man in front of him is saying like, oh, well, we can't really do something like that because we are looking for this kind of figure. And um, they point out things about his appearance that won't work and like just the story in general. They're like, this isn't going to appeal to anyone, blah, blah, blah. It's for this audience. And um, you hear the producers or whatever company is giving him uh, kind of guidance and and lo- the money to do this um, is saying like, oh, well, we need to mold him so he's, I guess, approachable from a, yeah, so he's palatable for not even a white audience, but for a higher class black audience. That's as far as they see him going. Um, so I thought that was really interesting um, in and of itself. But what you said about um, exploitation of the self versus exploitation of quote unquote the other um, definitely comes out in this film because Rudy doesn't even see it as like a black exploitation film or like even a black film. Like he's just, it's just a film. making a movie and he wants it to be funny. Like there's a point in the movie where they're supposed to make a sex scene and he's like, I'm not sexy. <laughs> like <laughs> I do not have a nice body. And like I can't, I'm not going to be able to act this way. So him and his, uh, co-star um lady re they are like okay well we'll we'll make it hilarious instead and they do that and everyone is taken aback but it it works and so what they're going for is not um oh like it's funny because there's like black people in it and they're yelling like that's not what they're going for they're like this is just us trying to (laughs) um work our way through this filmmaking process in the best way we can with what we have and who we have. Um, and yeah, and I think it definitely pays off because you see um, people showing up in droves. Um, and at the end of the movie, something that I noticed and was really happy about, um, whether this is like a casting decision or whatever, um, there were white and black people in line to see Dolomite um, for the for the world release, for the world premiere. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that was really good. Um, a good choice on the filmmakers parts to include like a mixed race audience because like this film is not just um, like quote unquote for the black community. I think that's something that people um, think is like the idea behind black exploitation films is like, okay, let's make a film with black people to get the black dollar because people will show up to they'll pay to see this movie to see representation of themselves on the screen, but it's not, genuinely for like the purpose isn't to um serve a black audience it's to get black people's money it's um, just to say look there you are on screen right, pay us right like pay to see yourself not like pay to not even pay not not it's pay to see yourself not um here you are you are someone yeah like this is normal enjoy it like And so I think that's what Rudy was trying to, not necessarily what he was trying to do in the movie, but it's something that he ended up doing and he seemed very proud of. Yeah. Rudy was an interesting character for the whole film. (laughs) He he always came across as very goofy and very funny, even if just to put on airs and and block his real emotions because masculine men got a masculine men. (laughs) But, um... Was it? There was one moment in the movie that like felt like they needed to include it, but also felt like it was handled in a really poor way, which is Titus Bird just makes like a weird, not a weird, but a 
offhanded joke about, hey, Rudy, I wish I was your man, and Rudy just stops his demeanor and becomes very homophobic for, like, two seconds, and it's mm-hmm. never addressed again, and it halts that scene, and it feels like, I didn't like that part of the movie, just because it feels like they didn't actually tackle any homophobia Rudy Ray Moore may have had. They just were like, yep, he was that. All right, we're moving on. Yeah. Right. I think the film... um is I guess in that scene I took it more of like a statement of the time like the the fact that it was touched on and then passed over so immediately um, I felt it was a statement about just how accepted homophobia was and how normalized it was like his his comment like just his treatment of that situation is in passing Um, and I also got that from the scene where um, Lady Ree is introduced, that scene of domestic abuse in the bar is also just kind of skirted over. Like, it's just not um, discussed. Like, she talks about her dreams and her wants and, um, and everything else after that situation. But up until that point, um, the focus is on his comedy routine and his development as um as a character and and um i guess her introduction as his as his uh partner in his career um and so i guess for both of those scenes that's what i was just taking it as was okay domestic abuse homophobia these are issues that are present um but in the i guess in the time period of this film it's just not something that people want to handle or deal with. Um, And I think that to have the characters focus on things like that would have seemed a bit out of character um, for them, I guess. I do think it would have been out of character, but I also wish that the movie just hadn't glossed over it instead of just being a sort of, yep, they were homophobic back then. Because if you're just going to put it in there to just sort of casually acknowledge it and then move along. It feels like you're just casually putting homophobia in a movie. And I, I wasn't a fan of that. Right. Same with the domestic violence. Like it's never really touched upon and they just put it in there when they could have just had her break up with him in a relatively sane way. Right. How do you guys feel about this in general? um, Alongside the trend of, biopic films and how they tend to skirt around these problems often because these films are like made at the behest of the people who are starring in them what other biopics skirt around these problems because i know admittedly i don't watch a lot of biopics but oh my god there's so many right now um i know that's true we're like in a wave (laughs) yeah uh i know there were issues around bohemian rhapsody uh, skirting around some stuff, although I don't remember quite what it was. His Freddie about? Mercury's um, sexuality is like mm. never clearly like the film doesn't focus that much on that aspect of his life. I mean, and it, it sort of doesn't it demonize just the whole AIDS thing, right? Which does it? really messed up to refer to it like that. I'm sorry, but I heard of a lot of people being upset um, about Bohemian Rhapsody not touching on um, Freddie Mercury's like journey with his sexuality. At like very much at all. I mean, did either of you see Bohemian Rhapsody? <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. 
Sorry, you were talking about it in like a third person way, so I wasn't sure. I mean, I feel like most of Bohemian Rhapsody was about his sexual his sexuality at least. I guess people were more upset about the fact. Okay, so to compare Bohemian Rhapsody to um what was the Elton John biopic? Rocket Man? Rocket mm-hmm. Man. To compare Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man, people were um I guess more appreciative of Rocket Man because it had like an actual gay scene in it. Whereas Bohemian Rhapsody didn't like the film may have been about like Freddie Mercury's journey through Queen and like in I guess acknowledging his sexuality, but um it felt more like an obstacle to overcome. Right. Whereas in Rocket Man it was something that was part of it was part of the story. It was part of Elton John and it was given more of um I guess a a regular platform in the film, I guess. That's a weird way of saying it, but it was just it seemed more of a like a cohesive part of the film and of the person's life, which makes sense, I guess. Um, so with Bohemian Rhapsody, I did not feel as if that was the case, that it was like made um, like, I guess, a cohesive part of the film and the best way it could have been. That's fair. Um, admittedly, I think part of that might have been like Brian May and Roger Taylor. They wanted to make the movie a Queen movie and not a Freddie Mercury movie. They wanted to make it more so about them after his death. I really? Believe. Yeah. So. I mean, I could see like a Queen miniseries where like the third part is them after his death, mm. but mm-hmm. not in a two hour movie. Queen miniseries called Princesses? No. <laughs> just just it, no. It doesn't work, but it works. <laughs> All right. Final thoughts on Dolomite? I loved this movie. It was funny. It was exciting. um, And honestly, it was very emotional, too, for me. A rating? Rating? I would say... (laughs) One one unforeseen puddle splash out of one unforeseen puddle splash. (laughs) Very topical. I think think that... um, Everybody should Google the director because he looks like a forgotten member of Coldplay. And (laughs) he wears a lot of cowboy hats, which is very interesting to me. He also did Hustle and Flow, which I personally really enjoy. Um, And one sold out Dolomite audience out of one. Nice. I am going to give it a solid B+. I liked it. At the end, there wasn't a whole lot that I'd write home about it besides Eddie Murphy's performance. And the production design. I'm calling production design Oscar right now. It's Dolomite. But yeah, I liked it. I agree with the production design comment, Calvin. That was a, it was very well done. I was getting like heavy like Dreamgirls vibes <laughs> from the movie, and I was not mad at all. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break for a PSA, and then we will be back to talk about And Then There Were None. All right, we are back with more Bijou banter, and we're going to be talking about And Then There Were None, the one that came out in the 40s? Uh, oh, God, I'm looking at the book. I want to say it was like 47. Oh I know that's wrong. Sometime in the 40s, like that sort of era. And it's 45. Yeah, you want to read Correct. off the cast list slash director oh, since you're there? So many. Uh, directed by Renee Claire. Cast. Um, 
Barry Fitzgerald, Walter Huston, Louis Hayward, <laughs> um, June Duprez, uh, Roland Young, Nisha Auer as Prince Nikita Starlov, which I really love, um, C. Aubrey Smith, Judith Anderson, Richard Hayden, Queenie Leonard, and Harry Thurston. Who I'm sure were all household names back in the day. Right. You don't say those in your house every day? Not at all. Before you go to bed? <laughs> uh, this played for After Hours last Saturday, and we had a fun murder mystery event surrounding it. Yeah. What'd you think of the movie? I personally really enjoyed it. Um, I hadn't seen it before. It's public domain. You can watch it on YouTube, or you can uh, use your time travel machine to go back and come to it at After Hours, if you want. Sure. Maybe. <laughs> Um, I, it was, it was very interesting to me how they sort of danced around the two previous names of the book. Um, right. <laughs> I was like, uh, let's I, discuss. I know one of the previous names. I don't know the second one. Uh, Both I'm hesitant to ask. Yeah. Um, one is 10 little N words. Oh, the other man. one is 10 little Indians. So neither Shh. good. Thanks, Agatha, for that yeah. <laughs> for that little <laughs> gift, I guess. Um, I don't know. What did you think? I have never seen anything with And Then There Were None, which is the title that I will be calling it because, oh, my God. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I liked it. I knew that she cheated in this one somehow because I heard my sister complaining about it, so I knew that someone... Spoiler alert, by the way, for And Then There Were None, although at this point you've had time to... Oh, yeah, what's the, what's the plot? The plot is <laughs> 10 people are invited to an island... <laughs> 10 regular humans. By, um, what's his face? Uh, Some guy. No, it's U.N. Owen, which they figure out means unknown. <laughs> In all of its genius. And they... Some people start getting picked off. They get killed. They try to figure out who unknown is. A lot of people die, and then there were two left, and wow. it's all centered around the ten little humans. song, yeah, human song, and because um, that's how they die. Yeah, yeah. Um, very vaguely, I know my character. I I was one of the actors. Um, mm -hmm. I played Emily Brent, and she dies by the needle, but also not, because I think she's supposed to get stung by a bee, and yeah. there's a bee in the room, but she actually got killed with a needle like a bee sting she got stung to be or not to be but um yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i played what was her name ethel ethel i was convinced that ethel had done it for a good portion of the movie she did not do it it was a doctor or something didn't she die first judge. she died second Ah. So oh yeah, because it was Nikita maid first. slash cleaning lady. Yeah, yeah. So she had she had the opportunity to do and it. the supplies. <laughs> also, this movie is basically just Clue. I know right. Clue came <laughs> after it, but I saw Clue first, so the whole time I was thinking, oh, it's just Clue. I mean, like we even gave away Clue. Clue. Yeah. Um, but then, spoilies! It turns out that Judge something something Queen Cannon did it and he has so many ends in his name five ends that is so many ends. my god what what do you think of 
What do you think of Agatha cheating to get that ending? Elaborate on cheating. Because, like... For, for our listeners. As far as I'm me. aware, she cheats twice in her novels. She, spoiler alert for Mur- Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, my God. I need to see that movie. I, I sobbed when I saw that movie. I'm uh, weak. Do you mind spoilers, Philip? Oh, no. Go ahead. So, in that one, everybody did it. Everybody so does a stab. That's cheating. That's fair. And in this one, someone who had already died did it, which is cheating. Okay, faking your death is like the oldest trick in the book. But she said that he was dead. Did did she say, he's dead? Did we see it happen on screen? Same as Game of Thrones. If you don't see it happen, it does not mean that it happened. We did see his dead body. We saw his dead body, yeah. That is... He's an actor. (laughs) But everybody else also died off screen. See what Maybe I mean? Maybe they're all she alive. Maybe they're all alive and they're just hanging out on a whole different island mm-hmm. with Owen. I doubt that. Something. <laughs> they're just trying to mind screw everyone that's left on the island. It's all a game. A very fun game. Also, this movie was way funnier than I was expecting. Oh, yeah. Have, I... <laughs> have either of you seen um, any like reiterations of this movie? Like any other versions? I have not. Uh, I know a bunch. <laughs> my grandma got me one of them for Christmas last year, and I just have not put it in the DVD player, mm. unfortunately. I know there's other versions of the movie. I know that there's the television series. Have you seen um, any of them? Yeah. Um, do you, I looked do you into know the if Quinn Cannon does it in the other ones? He's the judge. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> just to, I don't know, laugh at this cultural uh I don't even know. I don't, want I, I don't want to call it that. But uh, in the Family Guy version, Stewie does oh, it. Jesus. Well, Stewie saves um, saves Lois from unknown. Stewie is judge, jury, and executioner. Right. I have never seen Family Guy, and I never will. Good. Save thyself. Yeah. Don't. Don't. Mm. Mm. I will say that the and then there were none. Uh, dual episodes were were interesting. They were interesting. In what way? <laughs> Just how adult humor, um, late night adult humor, <laughs> um, can kind of play into the, the just the campiness of um, of like Clue and and um, what and then there were none like has the potential to do. I guess. Yeah, there's a lot of crossroads. Huh. <laughs> Lots of crossroads. Good to know with that very vague description. I just, I, it was a long time ago that I saw it, and also I don't want to remember too much of it. That's fair. <laughs> Can we discuss the death of your husband, Rogers? Oh, yes, please. I just, what? <laughs> um, I mean, what is there to discuss? <laughs> Okay, he, he's the only one who got two votes, and so they're immediately like, oh, he must have done it. So they lock him in the woodshed. I don't understand. It's so that he can't, like, murder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I Foolishness, all of it. I mean, I thought it made sense. I thought it, it, it's, I don't know. I don't stand by it. Agatha Christie, come and fight me in the KRUI room right now. 
All right, so final thoughts on And Then There Were None? Um, this is going to sound like a bad rating, but zero out of zero for And Then There Were None. So infinity for And Then There Were None. Absolutely. Zero divide, yeah. um, I got to play a character who like killed her nephew and also has my name, so like it was chill. I got to see you wear a maid costume. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, I I'd have to give it... I don't know, probably an A. I enjoyed myself a lot more than I thought I would, especially oh, yeah. given the racism of the whole thing. I, I thought it was going to be very uptight because I guess I don't have much experience with any of Agatha Christie's work. So I thought it was going to be very uptight, hoity-toity, um, et cetera, et cetera. But it was actually a very fun time. And I think that the audience seemed to really enjoy it. Um, there was, We had a nice element of interactivity, which is kind of rare with our stuff. We're working on it. <laughs> yeah and um the only exposure that i'd ever had to agatha christie was the murder on the orient express movie that came out a little bit ago mm, with johnny depp with, the only reason i'm mm -hmm. okay with that movie is because he dies also leslie odom jr daisy ridley and a thousand other cool people much better cool people <laughs> yes isn't judy dench in that movie i think so oh, yes like everybody loves judy dench <laughs> everybody's in that movie and it's great but like that one was way more uptight. And the only other exposure to her I've had is the episode of Doctor Who where she is a character. So that doesn't really count, but it's like loosely based on one of her things. So it counts. I've probably seen a bunch of Judy Dench movies, but I'm so bad with names that it doesn't matter because I don't remember. Oh, no, I'm talking about Agatha Christie. Ah, <laughs> even worse. <laughs> so, yeah, I liked it. Judy Dench was in Philomena and... Oh. I, I've never seen a movie. Victoria and Abdul. I've never seen a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Frustration. And th that's the thing about film majors is that we don't actually watch movies. We just make them and hope that <laughs> they aren't like the same movie. <laughs> I, I'm, I have a script that I'm writing, and I was talking to someone about a whole different movie. I think it has Tom Hardy in it. And... He explained the ending of that movie to me, and I was like, no, that, that's the same exact ending as my film. Now I have to change my film. Mm. What movie? I don't remember things. Inception? No. Um, it's about this guy who um, he like leaves his construction job to drive to see his baby be born, but then at the very end of the film, spoilies for this movie that I can't remember the name of, he leaves. Okay. So he doesn't even get out of the car. Hmm. Good to know. All right, yeah. we're going to move into the weather here. <laughs> and then we're going to start on one of our trilogies, which we will explain after I pull up the weather. All right, let's move into our trilogy. Emily, would you like to explain the rules of the trilogy? Uh, so in our trilogy, bit, goof, spoof, other words, we basically, we choose two films that we've already discussed in the previous weeks um and then we try to connect them together with a third film that we make up i feel like this never makes sense when i say it but let's do it yeah <laughs> what films do we want to do oh i thought you had those oh i out. do not well then uh, i suggest we do something as I pull up the ones that we've done this uh, 
You know? I, I know we discussed invitation and Halloween and autopsy of Jane Doe last week. I, w- I would do autopsy of Jane Doe. True, but that, that one is very open. Yeah, we could yeah. work with that. True, that one isn't on the uh, um, recorded file from last week. So, so let's do it because the I was first time so we people did this, can learn. We did Hereditary and Honeyland, which also weren't recorded because I am the best board. So is that, is that ever. just going to be like our bit? Uh-huh. Yeah. So do we want to do two from last week uh, or the week before? Why don't we do Autopsy of Jane Doe and then something that we've talked about? Like, <laughs> we've done Joker, Perfect Blue, Aquarella. Ooh, Joker. All right. The Autopsy of Jane Doe and Joker. <laughs> All right. So which movie is going to come first and which movie is going to come second? Um, well. I'd say Joker should come first. Why? Because... Call me crazy, but I will. <laughs> I am seeing um, the witch of uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe as a Harley Quinn. Oh my gosh! Huh? See, I was thinking just based on preliminary things that the witch from Jane Doe would be um, Joker's mom. Ooh, that could be interesting too. Like when she got all of her life back. What if um, Emil Hirsch? is the joker but like but like earlier i don't younger i don't think that quite works it, out it definitely he doesn't dies. Fit. well aren't we all a little dead inside i mean he straight up dies like broken <laughs> neck in the hearse dies yeah i don't know uh how about we talk about the things that are prevalent within yeah, the Yeah, what, what are the commonalities? We have boys. We do. We also have women. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is harder than last time. It is. It which is harder. Is... Films are really different. Um... Um, oh, goodness. There's no supernatural aspect in Joker yet. Um, um, I guess devotion to parents. Oh, that's true. Mm. Like, I don't know. Parent trap. Familial responsibilities. Yeah, so we could talk about, um, I guess, just the loyalty of it. Yeah. Uh, so based on loyalty, and that being an overarching theme within the films. <gasps> oh, I just got an idea. All right. Please. All right. So how about Joker's mother? Not only she had three relationships going on. One, the relationship in her head with um, Thomas Wayne. Two, wait, (laughs) just two, just two relationships then. One, the relationship in her head with Thomas Wayne. And two, the relationship with um, Emile's father in the film I think his name's Tommy would he be the boyfriend that beat her while Joker was tied to a radiator no okay so yes three 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 relationships <laughs> okay. yeah the boyfriend that beat her and then um, Emile's father the mortician so then 
would Emil confirmed be her her son? Or is that yes. are we leaving that ambiguous? Well keep in mind that in autopsy of Jane Doe, the husband's wife <laughs> died. Like mm. didn't she kill herself? Yes. Or was she killed by her in other son? A hospital. Mm-hmm. She disappeared to go have she oh. disappeared to go um she was working for Thomas Wayne while married to this mortician. Mm-hmm. Fell in love with Thomas Wayne. Faked her death. Faked her death to go to, I don't know, appeal to pursue Thomas him. through the years to pursue him. Oh Thomas, I love you so. Yes. And then she adopts um Joaquin Phoenix and then decides to live her life with him and appeal to Thomas till the end of time. Okay. <laughs> her time. So that would be a really short middle movie. So can we make up a plot? Yeah. She buys a bunch of plants. I don't know. Go on go on with that train <laughs> of thought. I want to see exactly where her buying a lot of plants leads into into Joker. She she buys a lot of plants and then she realizes that that's not filling the void. The plants can't fill the void <laughs> that any of her sons have left. All right. I will not take any questions. <laughs> okay, so she starts the film by buying plants. Mm. This seems like, how are we going to tie the supernatural witch into it? Because right now this just seems like a prequel to Joker where she goes to pursue Thomas Wayne and ends up with the jerk who does the whole domestic abuse. This is where Harley Quinn comes into play. Uh-huh. So after her son and her her son and her former husband are murdered by this witch come back to life. My brain hurts. She, the father takes her pain and is killed as a result of it um, or out of mercy um, by his son. And so the witch has, I guess, her agency back. She's got rid of her baggage and she's in that transport um, to the other county. She's actually taken to Gotham and she's alive and well now, but she's not quite all there <laughs> upstairs because she's... That's when she ends up at the mental hospital because yes. they, they realize that she's actually alive because ding, 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 the mm-hmm. toe bell. And then they're like, um, what's up? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. They're like, cool, we're going to toss you in this hospital then. And this actually works because... <laughs> I love how you say that like you're impressed. Well, because Gotham is just New York, but the surrounding area is New England where Whoa. the autopsy of Jane Doe takes place. So that right. actually works out quite well. So she goes to the hospital. She's there. She gets... So hold on. Is Joker's mother the witch or is Joker's mother Joker's mother who happened to have an affair with the all of the, the witches removed from their family oh but what if well the dad died before all of her pain could be transferred onto him right because yeah. that's no. why yeah. Well, yeah that that's why she comes back mm. ding 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 so gotcha. ring ding ding <laughs> what if the transference isn't just to them it's through bloodlines 
or supposed bloodlines, at the very least familial lines. Mm. So when she adopts Arthur, since she's too far gone from the traumatic pain being transferred onto her, it's transferred onto him too, leaving him with the remnants in the form of his laughing condition, his uh, negative thoughts, and his recognition of us living in a society. And his terrible sense of humor. His sense of humor is awesome. <laughs> Nobody's laughing now is a good joke. When he's on the talk show, that's a whole other that story. Was pretty, that was that's, <laughs> the fact that he's so serious about it. Well, no one's laughing now. <laughs> <laughs> like my man, yeah. Um, what do we want to call it? Okay, so well, the movie, as of right now, is the witch going. To the hospital <laughs> um and then the affair so joker's mom had an affair with the dad That's she a really goes long title. to gotham i'm i'm trying to figure out the plot yeah. a little uh she goes to gotham the i feel like this is just like a descent into madness for her movie and how you know what i mean like the plot would be mm. just her going insane is descent into madness the title um loyal to a fault loyal to a fault that's something or uh how about we go with the jokes on loyalty jane wow. doe 2 joker point five, the sequel joker 2 junker um the resurrection of oh god, what's her name? Penny Fleck. Penny Fleck. Mm. Penny quotes Joker unquote Fleck. Penny Joker Fleck. Penny Joker Fleck. Ooh, how about chain? How about um, uh, a change in pennies? I like that Get actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh god. Yeah, I mean. We've got time left, and it seems like we figured this one out. I feel like we could also connect the witch to it before the autopsy of Jane Doe. The, just, the, the witch? Yeah, just True. real quickly. Just throw it in there. Let's make a quadrilogy. Thomason goes into the woods, becomes a witch, and then... <laughs> she gets tortured for being a witch. She goes... The, the settlement that they were at expands mm. itself because, you know, manifest bullshit. Woo! <laughs> Um, and then, um, all right. So manifest. Yes. So the town is expanded because of manifest. That black there was because we said a bad word. Sorry. Oops. Oopsie. Oopsie poopsie. Um, um so town not expands. acceptable in those days or these days, but, um, yeah, <laughs> Any days. so, uh, manifest quote unquote destiny, uh, township expands and then, they kind of move on to the witch's land and they recognize Thomason and they punish her for thinking that she murdered her family. And then, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, all the evidence points to her killing her family. And now they think she's a witch too. Mm -hmm. So they punish her, they bury her. Emil Hirsch digs her up, or not Emil Hirsch, you know what I mean. And bada boom. I'm still so upset that it starts with her boob. 
Right. I mean, that's that makes a connection to the witch too, because hmm. all of the because her little brother imagery. was so very yeah. focused on that. Mm-hmm. Not. Guess there's a connection there. I mean, not a great one, but yeah. Yeah, I think we've got ourselves at the very least a quadrilogy. At the I very think most, we've cooked something up. So. All right, then we are yeah. going to move into a grant spot just a little bit early here, and we will be back in a second for more Bijou Banter. All right, we are back with more Bijou Banter. We just finished up a trilogy involving the Joker, the autopsy of Jane Doe, and the Vavitch, uh, so it was more like a quadrilogy, and now we are going to move on to some recommendations we have. So, recommendations. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but The Lighthouse looks really good. Please discuss <laughs> Willem Dafoe Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson, the two loves of my life. <laughs> Willem Dafoe's teeth. Teeth? Teeth? Yeah. They're I'm very haunting. Hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't get um, Green Goblin Willem Dafoe out of my mm. mind. Honestly, ever. yeah. I, I really enjoyed him in that one that Norman Reedus is also in. Which movie is that? Boo. You can't. I don't know. Norman Reedus. I will look it up while you talk. All right. Robert Pattinson is a shockingly good actor. Right. I'm excited to see him in The Batman. Yeah. Um, I watched High Life, which came out earlier this year, like just days before the news that he was going to be Batman came out. And when that happened, the one part I liked about High Life was his acting. Everything mm -hmm. else I hated more than I could possibly imagine. Mm. But when the news came out, I remember thinking, if this had come out a week ago, I would have been vehemently against it. But right. now I know that he's more capable than Cedric Diggory and Edward Cullen. So let's do it. Boondock Saints. That's the one. Yeah, it is. Philip, any recommendations? Um, yes. For anyone who likes a, a biopic and also just historical um, just period pieces um, in film, uh, Harriet was... Awesome. You've already seen and, it? And yeah, it was wow. nice. Very, very moving. And I Did recommend you cry? it to any yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I recommend it to anyone that um wants just, to try. Not even that wants to try. Everyone should go see it. Period. Drop 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 the mic. Boom boom. Bam bam. Um All right. and also if anyone's still in a Halloween y mood, wow. I would say practical magic is always a nice go to. What's Good that old about? Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman as witches yeah. um, in a matriarchal household slash town. Um, and it's very cool. One, uh, Sandra Bullock plays a small shop owner and um, Nicole Kidman is kind of her mm, troubled <laughs> question mark sister that goes gallivanting and ends up uh, killing her boyfriend. As one does. Um, and the sisters have to decide how to cover up the murder because it's traced to them. And there's this whole thing with them not being able to uh, love um, a man because he will die. And for the, the Nicole Kidman character, that's probably a good thing as she was in an abusive relationship. But for the Sandra Bullock character, all she wants is love and she just wants the perfect man I guess, which, yeah, but <laughs> also um, just kind of creates this interesting, uh, interesting, like, 
rain cloud in the film, I'll mm. say. So yeah, it's a very endearing movie. Huh. It's got some spooks in it. Sounds good. And I always love a good Sandra Bullock movie. Mm. So. Speaking of love, I watched, and I'm going to butcher this name, and I'm sorry, Umbrellas of Shoreborg. Um, it is a Jacques Demy film. Um, it's a sung through musical, which means that there are there are no words, only lyrics, and it's fun. It's just fun. At one point, she refers to their house as drab and dreary, and then you look around, and it's like, in it's pink polka dots. It's a delight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I am going to recommend a film. I have a lot of recommendations, so I'm trying trying to cut it down just a little bit. So give me one second. All right. <laughs> so there was a film that came out in 2009 called Spread. It stars Ashton Kutcher as a gigolo. Oh, jeez. <laughs> if you had given me that description, I would not have watched this movie. <laughs> However, it was on Mubi, which is free for college students. FYI. Oh, well, I can't talk about prices. Who knows what it costs for college students? I was kidding earlier. Um, but it's yeah, about it certain advantages. <laughs> uh, it's like about this gigolo who meets this woman. It's weirdly, it's not a rom com, but it's a romance with this other woman that he meets, and it's like actually really good. It's really hard to describe, but it's a good movie. Spread starring Ashton Kutcher is a decent movie i can't get past the name i can't right. get past the this, name that sentence did not sound right coming out of your mouth <laughs> <laughs> don't ever say words again. it's good <laughs> I, I recommend it i mean iowa city crowd ashton kutcher, ashton kutcher. <laughs> yeah. also while i'm on the subject of movies i watched over the summer oh, no. i'm going to give a huge red flag to the comedy which is by the tim and eric people it is quite possibly the worst film I have ever watched. It is, first of all, it's not funny. Second of all, it is a terrible character study. Third of all, it is a terrible character study of one of the worst human beings I have ever seen. And it is the most boring film I have ever seen. I actually want to watch this more than Spread now because you hate it so mm -hmm. much. <laughs> Spread is good and enjoyable. The comedy, it was like <laughs> pulling teeth every second. I watched it with my father. He really liked it. That It was fun watching it with him. I could not stand the movie. On my letterbox, it is one of the few movies that has half a star. Oh, wow. Well, what's the plot? There isn't one. He's just a <laughs> jerk. Like, they use it as an excuse to tell, like, Holocaust jokes and just horrible jokes. And they're like, it's a character study. I hate it. So anyway, what do you guys have to, what else do you guys have? I don't know. I'm, I'm very interested in this movie now. Right now, it has 6.5 on IMDb, 47% um, on Rotten Tomatoes, 46% on Metacritic. And the description says, a guy in Williamsburg ignores the notion of inheriting his father's estate while he plays games with his friends. Yeah, that's not the plot, but okay. <laughs> what? I don't... This is stellar and terrible. LCD sound system... <laughs> It, it's really bad. I'm I can't losing my mind it. right now. Okay. Um, other recommendations. Philip. Hmm. 
I've got more. I Please. have a whole <laughs> list of things. How about you go? To quote Emily from earlier, I don't watch movies. I don't watch movies. <laughs> I watch so many movies. Currently, uh, in the past year, I have watched 287 movies. Wow. Yeah. That's I so know. many. Sick brag. Uh, there was a movie we watched. Speaking of movies I watched a long time ago, there was a movie we watched in film club first semester of last year mm-hmm. called Kuraneko, which is a Japanese horror movie about these two women who are raped and killed by samurai so they come back as demons and swear to kill all samurai one complication the daughter's fiance is a samurai and he comes home and it's problematic and it's really cool and really creepy and awesome and i highly recommend it and this isn't a movie but um i i guess Mostly I just watch comedy specials on Netflix and um, James Acaster has his repertoire on there and it's three comedy specials that all loop into one another and it is absolutely stellar. Um, I cry laughing every time. There's a point where he discusses um, Pret-a-Manger and how this lady tried to sell him a banana except she it was like an entirely black banana and like he decided that he was going to open up a banana shop that only sold bananas so that she would come to it because why wouldn't you go to a banana shop that only sells bananas and he would trick her into trying to buy a banana i this is butchering it it's stellar i love it so much i also enjoy daniel sloss um and he's coming out with something new tomorrow so i'm very jazzed Yes. I also enjoy Daniel Sloss. I, the first time that I saw Daniel Sloss is I was like in Ireland watching it with a friend who was visiting and we were just crying laughing over chicken or something. Mm. It, it is so good. The puzzle one's my favorite. <laughs> the jigsaw. Another yeah. recommendation, Calvin. I've got a lot. Uh, if you're in the mood for just a fun romance... Uh, there's a movie called Once, which takes place in Ireland. Ooh. It's a very Dublin movie. Ooh. It's a little annoying to watch Yeah. because it's a very shaky can footage just because they made it for like $20. <laughs> but Every gl- film I've ever made. <laughs> but Glenn Hansard is the star, and he wrote the music, and it won the Oscar for Best Original Song. The music is awesome. Just watch it as a concert film, basically. And it'll be nice. much more enjoyable. I really like it. That reminds me. I'm scrolling through my Netflix. What did you two go as for Halloween? I'm assuming it's movie characters, probably. I am going. I did not do anything last night costume-related, so I didn't go for any, as anything for Halloween. But I am going as Captain America pre-serum. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Calvin. Okay, Philip. Oof. Um... Uh, if, and this isn't a movie character, but if either of you have seen uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, mm. I was teetering between Prudence and Ambrose. But recognizability is a thing. You, you, so. you just need to do what makes you happy. Yeah. Right. I just eh, don't want to explain my costume all night long. <laughs> I mean, this is coming from someone who the other day went as... Um, Christian Slater in Heathers, but if his character was a lesbian. 
if Jason Dean was a lesbian, then that would be me. And I didn't really have to do anything to acquire this outfit because I had it all already. <laughs> Maybe I should go as Dolomite. Oh my God. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> Stuff a pillow under my shirt and dress like a pimp. You're a little doughier than the actors <laughs> you usually hire. It's fine. It's all fine. He's like, I'll wear Spanx. What do you say? A girdle? I'll wear a girdle. <laughs> uh, if you're still in the Halloween mood, I can lukewarmly recommend Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Ah. It is fine. Why, fine. why so lukewarm? <laughs> it did very little for me. It is not scary, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of an average thriller. It's not a horror movie. They throw in Supernatural at the end, and it makes no sense. But it's fine. It is not Halloween. You know what I'm going to be watching? What? I mean, I don't care if it's a good or a bad, but I will watch um, Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island. Scooby-Doo. You know, my guilty pleasure is um, Barbie the Princess and the Popper. Not Halloween at all, but it's just a good time. Just genuinely good and pretty gay. Some of those movies are actually pretty decent, I yeah. will admit. <laughs> like any time that I go to a film scene coworker Sophie's house, we just watch Barbie. This is all we do. My sister and I always watch uh, the Nutcracker one around mm. Christmas time. Oh my god. Just I don't know. I'm so excited to watch Polar Express kind of for the first time this year. Ultra, yeah, we do that, the Polar Express and then the uh Jim Carrey Grinch. Grunch. Grunch. Have you guys ever seen the Meyerowitz stories, Adam Sandler? I have not. I was going to, but then it didn't win any Oscars, so I didn't bother. He's good. (laughs) He's good. Highly recommend. Good to know. All right, let's talk about what Bijou has coming up. Yeah. Tomorrow, Time Bandits. Looks good. Terry Gilliam. Speaking of Terry Gilliam, next Saturday, Brazil. Brazil. The only 1984 adaptation for screen I will ever watch. (laughs) Okay, <laughs> what's on Tuesday? This Tuesday is a Horizons movie mm-hmm. that I definitely know what it is off the it top of my head. It is definitely Yomadine. Yes. I don't know what that is about, but it's probably going to be a good time. Bichet, a man cured of leprosy, has never left the leper colony in the Egyptian desert where he has lived since childhood. Following the death of his wife, he decides to go in search of his roots. With his meager possessions strapped to a donkey cart, he sets out. Quickly joined by Obama, the Nubian orphan he has taken under his wing, Bichet will cross Egypt and confront the world with all its sorrows, hardships, and moments of grace in his quest for a family, a place to belong, and a little humanity. I will cry. Absolutely. Uh, Next Tuesday, we have opening night, Mm -hmm. which is our next film forum event and final film forum event of the semester. And then... The Saturday after that, or at some point in the future, November 14th, we have Bijou's second Triple X event for a little bit. It's called Sex and Astrology. looks weird. The last one was really fun. This one's probably going to be really fun, too. They're just great. I didn't get to see the last one, so I'm very excited to see this one. We can't even say the last one's name on air. Yeah, I was like... (laughs) That lower part... Of reproductive system. <laughs> Bat hoo ha. Bat hoo ha. Bat hoo ha. All right, I think that'll do it for this episode. 
I've been Calvin. Emily Stagman. Hi. I am Dolomite. No, I'm kidding. I'm Philip. You Dolomite. <laughs> Are you, is Dolomite your name and is rapping wow. and tapping your game? I'm going to have to learn some of those lines for tonight, man. <laughs> <laughs> you have like a few hours. <laughs> All right. Enjoy the show. Indeed. <laughs> 